you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 146 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, I'm going to go over some news that came out over the weekend that could have an impact on the A's moving forward, some quick off-season discussions, and also going to go over game one of the ALDS, see where the Rays sit from here. Uh, they are our new adopted team, so go Rays! But before I get everything going, please follow us on social media, at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at by. Jason B. on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, mailbag is open. Please send questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So I'm going to get into it. Billy Bean made some headlines this weekend, and uh, I'm not great at financial news. So I'm going to give you how I understand it, and hopefully that is correct, and what the what that could mean for the A's moving forward. So that's what I'm going with, and uh, that's what I'm going to give you guys. So if you guys haven't heard, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw a link to the article that I read in, uh, in the show notes so you guys can read it for yourselves. But the way that I understand it, basically Billy Bean is the co-chairman of Red Ball Acquisition Group, and they are close to a merge with the Boston Red Sox owner, John Henry, to buy out part of the Red Sox. I believe it's a small part, but still he would have a minority stake in the Red Sox, much like he has a minority stake in the A's. So that is an interesting bit of development news. They're also saying that this acquisition, if it goes through, could go into, uh, you know, Liverpool Football Club and all that stuff and open up some other financial opportunities for the Red Ball acquisition group. Hadn't heard about them before a couple of days ago. So uh, Red Ball, that's a, that's a thing. So Go Billy Bean. Um, so it, it could be something that affects his tenure with the A's. It could not. We don't know. The specifics are a little bit murky to me as someone who uses TurboTax and definitely pays more than $700 in taxes each year. Financial things, not not my strong suit. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Um, so that is how I understand this. That is the basic gist of the article. And uh, whether or not he's going to have to sell his share in the A's is up for debate. Uh, they have two different people that talked about how this would affect the A's and Billy Bean. The first person is Jason Dana, and Jason is an associate professor of management and marketing at Yale School of Management, and uh, he said that it seemed like a clear conflict, and continued on later after they said who he was. Uh, a person couldn't, for example, own two different Major League Baseball teams for the same reasons this seems to open up the possibility of coordination between two teams, which is bad for the game. So that is one take on this. And obviously that would make sense. If Billy Bean wants to own the A's and the Red Sox, then that seems weird, right? It'd be like the uh, the A's and Yankees of the 50s, where the Yankees would just trade all their bad players to the A's, and then the A's would trade all their good players to the Yankees for those same bad players. And uh, it, it'd be like that. You'd be opening up that uh, Pandora's box, if you will. But uh, there is a counter point to that one, and that's from John Holcomb, who is a professor of business ethics at Daniels College of Business at the University of Denver, and he said that it's not clear whether Red Ball's investment would be uh, be incompatible for Billy Bean. He said, I don't think it constitutes a conflict of interest to invest in a competing enterprise while trying to win with your own, he said in an email. I'm just reading this verbatim at this point. Uh, it could just be a win-win or, you know, a good hedging strategy. Should Bill Gates be prohibited from investing in Apple or Larry Ellison investing in Google? I don't think so. Again, great point. So uh, maybe he's not going to have to leave the A's um, if this does go through and all that stuff. It'd be an inter it's it's an interesting 
precedent that they would be setting. Um, if it goes through, interesting, and a lot more people with money could be doing a lot more crazy things that could impact the game of baseball. If it doesn't go through, and Billy Bean would have to relinquish his ownership stake in the A's, and probably his role in the A's front office, then uh, that would probably be the right precedent to set, but uh, he would be leaving the A's, which is not fun. Uh, for me, personally, I, I like Billy Bean. I know some people are, you know, tired of his uh, shoestring budget shtick at this point, but it's gotten the A's to the playoffs so many times in the past 23 years, so uh, I I'm okay with it, personally. This news did get me thinking a little bit, though, outside of whether or not Billy Bean's going to be in the front office for the coming years, or if he's going to, if we've seen the last of Billy Bean in Oakland. Um, and that is, is this Billy Bean potentially making his move to cash in a little bit uh, before a rough offseason? He has a decent idea what the financials are in the front office for, you know, ownership and John Fisher. Uh, is he going to be cutting payroll? Is he going to be slashing a bunch of things? Are they not going to be able to go after it? You know, are they going to have like a $60 million payroll as opposed to a $100 million payroll? Or maybe even more than a $100 million payroll? Uh, does he see the writing on the wall in that way? And so he's trying to jump ship before that happens because he doesn't want to do that again. Or is it legitimately just, hey, I'm trying to better my own future, my family's future, something like that. Uh, there's a lot at play here. And the first one scares me. The second one, I'm fine with. Uh, if he does leave, I don't think that it's necessarily... If he does leave and John Fisher hasn't demanded that they slash payroll and, you know, sell everybody, uh, I think that it's not a terrible thing. Uh, I, again, I like Billy Bean. I'll get into that here in just one sec. But uh, Forst has been the GM anyway. And a lot of the things that Billy Bean is known for with, you know, analytics and all that, uh, the launch angle revolution, all those things, they're part of the, the A system now. And they have a, a team of people that do these things. It's not Billy Bean pulling all the strings anymore. There's a team. They can still do things. You know, like uh, uh, Friedman from the Dodgers used to be with the Rays. They're still doing fine. It'd be like that, I think, where uh, maybe they get, you know, that they have the nice uh, foundation and then they start building on that with somebody else. Maybe it's like that. Um, so while I would like the A's to keep Billy Bean forever because he has been that one key guy, he's like the franchise player for the A's. You know, uh, the Giants have Buster Posey. We got Billy Bean. He's been there forever uh, since I was a teenager. So I, uh, I, I like seeing Billy Bean and whatnot, and I know that there's a lot of baseball fans that root for the A's because of Moneyball. Granted, they're the more analytically inclined, or, you know, they like the jerseys or whatever, but um, there's a decent amount of people that pull for the A's. They have a soft spot for the A's because of Billy Bean, and I don't think that that would be lost on those same baseball fans if he left, but I think they pull for him because of what he's done for the game of baseball, how he's advanced the game on the field and, uh, you know, in the front office. And I think that those fans are kind of pulling for him to actually get that World Series trophy. Does that mean that they would start rooting for the Red Sox instead of the A's? Probably not, because uh, Billy Bean, he, he's an A's guy. He he would be like uh, Ricky Henderson. He's gone other places, but he's known as an Oakland A. Uh, it, it'd be like that, I imagine. That's my Billy Bean take, I believe. I'd like to see him stay just because, you know, he's been the constant for the A's, and we don't get a whole lot of those. I think that he's been long, uh, been there longer than, you know, John Fisher and the ownership group. He's been there the longest out of anybody with the A's right now. I, I know that, you know, uh, Steve Vucinich and some other people have been there longer in their roles, but in terms of front office or player personnel or anything like that, he's been there the longest, and he's arguably the most recognizable person with the A's. I know, you know, again, uh, Vuce has been there forever. Mickey Morbido, 
I know that people in the game probably know him. Uh, Ray Fossey, he's been there forever. Do people necessarily know who Ray Fossey is? No. They may know him best for being run over in an All-Star game by Pete Rose. They may not know that he's actually an announcer still, and he's a good one. Um, so yeah, Billy Bean is the person that most identifies with the Oakland A's. So would the A's be losing some of their identity? Maybe to the casual fan, but you know, for us, I think that it'd be roughly more of the same moving forward. Uh, I don't think that there'd be a big difference in what we see on the on-field product from uh, what we would see in the future and what we do see now. Unless the front office just says, slash everybody, trade Olsen, trade Chapman, unless that happens, uh, we're going to be basically seeing them go after the same types of guys, put on a relative winner that should make the playoffs most years and won't some years, and that's how we go. Uh, so that's uh, that's all the news that has happened in A's land over the last couple of days since I last recorded. But coming up in just one minute, I'm going to tell you guys about why the A's should go for a big offseason splash this winter. Um, I know what I just said, but I'm going to you know backtrack some of that here in just a minute. So uh, I got that coming up for you guys. Going to go over game one of the ALDS. The Rays won. So that's plus. Uh, so stay locked in with Locked on A's. I will be right back. The new and improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors, including toffee almond. Didn't think I'd like that one, but it was solid. Go toffee almond on that one. Nice surprise. I enjoyed that. I don't like toffee for the most part, but this one... It was okay by me. Uh, all their bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. They are built for the health-conscious person. And you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So if you're wondering how you can take advantage of all these things, all you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code locked on that is one word locked on and you'll get 20 percent off your next order at builtbar.com one more time just going to repeat that so it really sinks in go to builtbar.com enter promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order 20 percent off at builtbar.com when you use the code locked on Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you like podcasts and whatnot. Also, if you have a second, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us regarding the A's or baseball or whatever, we're doing mailbag episodes as soon as that mailbag gets full. So send over your questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So I'm going to just talk real quick about the offseason. Uh, I know that I said that it would be in two weeks, but I get I get antsy and I really want to talk about some things. So the Astros free agency, uh, I, I know that I've mentioned it a few times, but I think that the people that the Astros are going to be losing could open up a window for the A's if they want to really, really, really go for it. Uh, over this winter and, you know, retool their team. So the Astros free agents this winter are going to be George Springer, Michael Brantley, Josh Reddick. Okay, the first two were good. Josh Reddick is whatever. Uh, Brad Peacock, Yuli Gurriel. Those are some key cogs for them. I know that, you know, Gurriel hasn't been great this season, but he is a nice veteran presence for them. And uh, who are they going to replace him with? I, I saw some place that was saying Abraham Toro. I'm like, sure, I guess. Uh, they're still not going to have Justin Verlander. Is that Granky going to be okay? I don't know that they have an unlimited money source, but I do know that their owner, Jim Crane, does love to spend some cash. So uh, that that's a one-up for them. Um, so if they lose Springer or Brantley, maybe that's not as big of a deal if they get Jordan Alvarez back. But if he's just playing DH, then 
their outfield should be okay, but maybe not quite as good. Uh, Reddick's probably gone, but he's got a nice arm. He plays some decent defense. You got Kyle Tucker that kind of replaces him a little bit, but uh, yeah, they're going to be a little bit weaker team, I think, in, in my estimation. And that could open up the A's for not a cakewalk to the AL West title because the A's are losing their own guys too. Uh, the, the chief among them are Marcus Simeon, who I don't know that there's a better shortstop out there for the A's. I know you could go Nick Allen, but he hasn't played above high A. So do you really want to just throw him in right now? And he also hasn't played since 2019. So do you really want to throw him in there? Sure, he could probably handle the position, but if he's going to hit 050, then what's the point? Um, and then you, you got a uh, Vimy on my chain who could fill in right there. You might want to put him in triple a, just get him a little bit more exposure there. Uh, just saying. Um, but the, the main person that you got to sign is Liam Hendricks in my estimation, uh, two years, 10, maybe eight mil per something like that. I've already gone up. I think that you got to pay him like a pretty decent reliever, but you also don't want to pay for relief pitching in today's game necessarily. So, uh, cause it's so volatile. You, you never know what you're going to get. You don't want to make a long-term commitment to relief pitching ever. Uh, look at Mark Melanson from the giants who got traded and still isn't great. So that's why you don't do that. And he was good. Um, so yeah, Liam Hendricks, if you can get him on a short-term deal, I think that that helps solidify the bullpen a little bit. And I'll talk about all the holes that the A's have and who they could go after and all that stuff here once the World Series is over. I just wanted to bring up that this could be an opportunity for the A's to really go for it because the Astros aren't, hopefully, going to be as good as they have been. So if you can win the division as opposed to compete for a wild card, that should be a plus. I don't know that the A's are going to be able to do it financially just because of the COVID season and John Fisher kind of already being unwilling to spend gobs of money. So I don't know that it's going to happen, but maybe as I've been saying for this whole time, uh, maybe with free agency kind of in flux and nobody really knowing what's going to happen, maybe the A's will be able to swoop in and get some some of these guys that they usually wouldn't be able to because they are undervalued and get them for under market value in a usual year, but above what they would usually pay. And so there, there's like a nice middle ground, I think, that could suit the A's fairly well, potentially. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. It, it's a hope and a pipe dream, probably, but it'd be nice. I don't think they're going after, you know, the Trevor Bowers and all that stuff. They're not doing that. Even if he's going for like a one-year deal, they're not showing $30 million out to anybody because that's probably what he's going to be asking for. And he's been volatile. And I don't know that I want him in the clubhouse. Anyways, so it, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And, uh, you know, I'll be here to cover it. It'll be lots of fun. But let's talk about game one of the ALDS. The Rays beat the Astros two to one. It was, a, you know, a Rays game. That's what they do. Jose Altuve had a leadoff, not a leadoff home run from the two hole in the lineup. He had a home run, put the Astros ahead one nothing early. And then Randy Arozarena, uh, he's been lots of fun. People on Twitter love him. Very excited to get my own first look at, like first real look at him. He was in the uh, the Jose Martinez deal with the the Cardinals over the offseason. The Rays got Jose Martinez and Randy Arozarena, and uh, then they traded Jose Martinez at the trade deadline. They're like, we got the guy that we wanted. Get out of here, Jose. And uh, it worked out well for them. So good job on the Rays, knowing everything about every player ever. Jesus. Uh, They're insane like that. Uh, The Rays bullpen bent but didn't break. Same thing with Blake Snell, the Rays starter. Bent but didn't break. The Astros had their opportunities throughout the game. They they loaded the bases a couple times, got some runners in scoring position. Uh, The Rays just made that pitch when they needed to. Um, There was a a key double play early in the game where there was runners on first and second. Uh, Kyle Tucker hit a ball right to uh, Willie Adamas. And he snagged it, stepped on second. 
and they got two outs all of a sudden, and then uh, then then the Astros loaded the bases. So there would have been runs scored if not for that nice reaction play by Willie Adamas. In the fifth inning, Willie Adamas got a walk, and then it was just a couple of ground outs that moved him from first to third, and then Mike Zanino came up with a single that scored the run that ended up being the game-winning hit in the fifth inning. So, uh, yeah, the Rays did everything that they needed to. In the eighth inning, they did face some trouble, though. They brought in Aaron Loop who hadn't pitched in a while. They wanted him to face a lefty in Michael Brantley. He hit him on the first pitch. And at first glance, I thought that got him straight in the butt, but it got him in the leg. So uh, good for that, I guess. Um, so he got hit by a pitch. Air, uh, Alex Bregman struck out swinging. And then Aaron Loop threw a ball to the backstop. And uh, he looked rusty. He had not pitched since the wild card round. Uh, then he walked Carlos Correa and then Kyle Tucker singled. So they had the bases loaded and you were like, oh, this isn't good. Uh, the, the Astros are going to do it again because uh, these guys. And then uh, they brought in Diego Castilla to face Yuli Gurriel and all that veteran presence I was talking about. And he grounded into a double play. So uh, one pitch, two outs, and the Rays got out of it. Uh, the Astros kind of threatened a little. They got a runner on in scoring position in the ninth, but uh, nothing much there. So the Rays have a one nothing series lead. It's, of course, best of seven. They're playing seven consecutive days, so this one's going to go all the way through Saturday uh, if it goes the, the length. I do think that with the Rays winning game one, if they win game two, they're in very good shape because their pitching is far superior to the Astros. I know the Astros have some decent pitching. We've seen some of their decent pitching, but... The Rays got some arms, and they didn't really use... I mean, Blake Snell, sure, but he was shaky, and the Astros didn't take advantage. Uh, they didn't use their, quote-unquote, good relievers in Game 1 because they just pitched in Game 5 against the Yankees. And if they can shut down the Yankees, they can do a pretty decent good job against the Astros, too. So if the Rays take Game 2 as well, with, you know, Framber Valdez and Lance McCullers Jr. being two of the Astros' better starting pitchers, then you're getting into their shaky, who, who the hell do we throw out there territory. And uh, I think that the Rays can do just fine against those guys. Zach Greinke, if he's available, again, I don't know what's up with him anymore. But, you know, he could probably pitch for a game. And then uh, because these games are being played on sequential days, you're you're not going to be able to rest and get, you know, Framer Valdez out there again. You're probably going to see like Christian Javier, who's good. But, you know, after you see him a couple times, he's hittable. Um, I don't know what the Astros would do if they fell down uh, to nothing probably doesn't mean good things for them. They'd probably have to slug their way out of a couple games to prolong it to get back to their better starters. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's for another day. And to be fair to the Astros, which I don't like doing, but I have been trying to pronounce them dead all season long because I am not here for their BS. Uh, and they keep proving me wrong. Uh, mostly, I think, out of spite, which I don't appreciate. Yeah, so they're, they're obviously a good team, too. Hopefully, the Rays just just embarrass the hell out of them en route to making it to the World Series. Uh, I, I'm personally rooting for Dodgers-Rays. I think that that would be a very nice fundamental matchup. Really, I'm just rooting for the Rays against whoever. Uh, but the Dodgers, I, I have a soft spot for them, too. I like going to Dodgers games. They're very fun, actually. I, I thoroughly enjoy going to Dodger Stadium. Also, and if if you don't, if you have not been to Dodger Stadium and you like beer, oh boy, get Keep an eye out on their StubHub deals or whatever like that, because both times I've gone, I've gotten very good seats for like 40 bucks, and that's really good for Dodger Stadium. Um, and I, the last time I went, it was the drinking row behind home plate, which is, you know, that first, you know, it's uh, like 
row 40 or whatever for the A's, but it's a drinking row where you don't get like a seat seat. It's like a bar seat and you get your own little thing that you can eat on like a counter. You get a counter. And so that's kind of fun. And then right behind you is the concessions. And it's not just people walking behind you all the time because they have space to do that because it's uh, so many decks, but uh, you can go get a beer like in between innings and be back at your seat and not miss a pitch, which is insane to me because I've been to Oracle. I've been to the Coliseum and, uh, you have to miss like three innings to get a beer at either of those places. And you can go get a beer and be like, yeah, here you go. And then you're back at your seat. So uh, Dodger Stadium, if you have not checked it out, it's more affordable than you think. And uh, you can get some beer real quick. So go Dodgers for those reasons. Anyways, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Stay indoors. Celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow.